What's going on, guys? Omar from Inside the 18. In today's episode, we sit down with the Reggae Girls and Jamaica's number one goalkeeper, Sydney Schneider. Uh, so when we recorded this podcast, Sydney was still a 19-year-old goalkeeper from UNC Wilmington who was trying to make a name for herself on the world stage. Now we fast forward a week and she's done just that. Uh, while her side unfortunately fell to the Giants of Brazil in their opening match, Sydney still managed to grab the headlines. Along with some 1v1 saves, her breakout moment came when she saved Andressa's PK in the 38th minute. Uh, Sydney got down super well to her bottom right with a big hand and kept the ball out. Uh, her performance garnered tweets from the likes of Usain Bolt, Hope Solo, and so many other big athletes around the world. That being said, we're super excited for you guys to hear this episode. There's so much insightful stuff from Sydney because, you know, her being so young and being thrown into such a big moment like this in the World Cup at only 19 years old, she really shows her poise and just humble attitude and, and essentially what got her to where she is today. And lastly, please remember to rate and review on iTunes. Uh, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, a bunch of other resources as well that you guys can share on your Instagrams or Facebook. Um, it'll really help us get up the rankings if anybody searches goalkeeper or soccer football on uh, on the podcast. Once again, guys, my name is Omar Zini. Thank you guys for tuning in to Inside the 18. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Magic talking way too loud again because I'm talking to somebody in France and I just figured that I have to talk really loud in order for them to be able to hear me. I've also got Omar Zini with me. Omar, what's up? Last, Not much, man. Last day of Ramadan, right? It is, yeah, it is. It's been, a, it's been a struggle, but I'm ready to get back to my regular routine and be able to drink and eat regular hours. <laughs> You've been literally living like a vampire. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been, been quite... An experience for you. Now, uh, the reason that we have you uh, up this early in the morning right now is uh, not because we want to talk about the last day of Ramadan, although that would make a great podcast, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, it's because we have, uh, we have somebody in France, like I was just saying, uh, we have somebody who's at the World Cup, and they're not just at the World Cup, like eating, you know, baguettes and, uh, and watching the action. They're participating in the action as a goalkeeper. We actually have Sydney Schneider from the Jamaican national team with us right now. Sydney, what's up? Hey, how are you? That's good. That's good. That was a good solid uh, way to introduce yourself. Um, Yeah. Seven in the morning. We're not sure how to do this at 7 a.m. We're usually like doing this at 8 a.m. and that extra hour of sleep straight up helps us. Um, (laughs) So for the guys who are not familiar with Sydney, Sydney Schneider is a goalkeeper on the Jamaican women's national team who burst onto the scene in the CONCACAF uh, Women's uh, Championships, where, by the way, there's an amazing highlight of you making this incredible top-hand save and then Mallory Pugh looking so disappointed. Like, <laughs> who is this person? Like, what is going on here? But that's just basically states it right there. I mean, talk about a surreal experience. You went from playing collegiate soccer to all of a sudden going up against the women's national team. So this, this rise has been kind of like I don't want to say it was like out of out of nowhere, but it's been kind of a dream experience, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. It was quite different going from college to a national stage. The level's pretty different. The crowd's a lot bigger, a lot more pressure, but it's a lot more fun. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. My favorite thing is like when I was talking to you last week and you guys had a friendly against Scotland and you're like, yeah, I know it was good for us to get that experience playing in front of a bunch of people. And I'm like thinking like a bunch of people, this isn't, you're not playing against Wake Forest University and there's like 3,000, <laughs> like 20,000 people. Like that must've been unreal. Yeah, it actually set a record for how many people have been in the stadium for an event at one time. 
Wow, that's amazing. Now, I know Omar at UC Davis, you used to get 20000 a game all the time, right? <laughs> I think over my four years of being in college, I think we got about 20000 accumulated, <laughs> everything added up. So, uh, no, I can't, I can't even imagine that. It's definitely a crazy experience. And, I mean, for you, is that, like, you know, I, I used to watch the U.S. national team play against Mexico. And I used to see Tim Howard screaming as loud as he could to try and get the, the wall to move on a free kick. Uh, is that, like, an experience you guys had because it was so loud, or is that – was it not that loud? It's definitely a struggle talking to the team on the field. <laughs> we all try and talk, and you can see mouths moving, but you don't hear a lot of words. <laughs> That's why it's a lot of it's like the hand signals have to be on point. has to be yeah. kind of like and you have to have this uh, extra language, kind of like you're you know, a coach on a baseball team. You're just trying to get as many yeah, little signs. Yeah, a bunch of signs. <laughs> yeah, but that's cool. And that's a hard part, too. I think a lot of people don't understand that, especially when you play in that kind of an environment. It's so hard to communicate with your team. It's always say, he should have yelled. She should have yelled. They should have called him off. I'm like, dude, you know how loud it is in that stadium? You know how hard it is to kind of get that message across? So it's just, yeah. it's, you have to experience it. So I'm glad you guys were able to experience it and uh, were able to kind of, you know, see it firsthand. So you have some empathy towards the goalkeepers on, on the TV sometimes. Yeah, and, and, it, and it doesn't get any, any easier for you guys. Your first game is against uh, actually a friend of ours, Aline, uh, over at Brazil, the Brazilian women's national team. Uh, we're not biased here in any way whatsoever. We want a complete draw. No, I mean, talk about, I mean, that's a powerhouse program right there. Uh, another storied uh, yeah. you know, franchise. I mean, this is, you guys are the first island nation to qualify for the Women's World Cup. I mean, that is incredible. That's just so cool. Yeah, it's definitely crazy um, just being in the whole situation. I don't even have words for it. It's kind of surreal. And, and, and the craziest thing is that you're still humble right now and you're like willing to be on with us at like, you know, seven in the morning <laughs> our time to talk goalkeeping when you're like, yeah, I've got like 40 French media people outside trying to talk to me. Like this is, <laughs> and I'm like pulled up in some room talking to you guys, you guys should feel really important. No, definitely right. much nicer, much more relaxed. <laughs> yeah, that's what I feel. Oh my gosh, the worst is like those mixed media type of things where they throw all the microphones in your face. Like that's got to be so overwhelming and uncomfortable. Yeah. If there's more than one person and they keep going back and forth, they have different questions or trying to talk over each other. You're like, uh. <laughs> no, why can I respect that? when it's one-on-one, <laughs> usually one-on-one or if one person talks, that's when it's good. All right, so let's get a little bit into goalkeeping here because that's why we're here. Now, you're from Jersey, so I'm sure that growing up in New Jersey, your entire dream in life was to play for the Jamaican women's national team in the World Cup. <laughs> that was what you grew up when you were like eight years old. That was your fascination. You're like, I'm oh, Of course, I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, how, how about, like, let's, so let's talk about that because this is so, for those of you guys unfamiliar with Sydney, she's a dual national like Omar and myself too. And a lot of times when it comes to the dual national thing, you know, you get these opportunities that you kind of don't even really think about until you start getting older. So how did this come about? I know you have grandparents that have lineage from Jamaica. Did they approach you? Did they see you playing in college? How did it happen? So it was at an ECNL showcase in Seattle. My coach was talking to Lorne and my coach pointed me out and that's just how it kind of got connected. Then he reached out to me and invited me to camps and stuff like that. So that's how it all got started. I was 16. I think it was. So I started playing for the under 17s, then went to the under 20s and then here. Wow. That's, that's so crazy. That is so cool. When you were, you were first approached, were you like, are you serious? Or what is the deal? Like, had you ever spent any time in the, in the U.S. pool before? No, uh, never been in the U.S. pool. But actually, I wasn't committed to school yet. And I was really stressed about that. That's a 
huge stressor I know. And I was like, I don't know if I have time for this. I can't travel. Like I have to get committed. I don't know why I didn't think, wow, this is a great opportunity. I can't do this right now. I was going into my junior year. I was stressing out everything. And then next camp, they invited me and I was like, okay, like, let me just do it. So I just got over my fear and everything like that. I was like, all right, just go for it. That's hey, how uh, I started. I actually denied it the first time. <laughs> did you really? You seriously did? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was like, no, out. I can't leave right now. So let, let's talk a little bit about that because you were talking about how balancing school, you were scared about that with international duty. Now you took some time off of school last year to play for Jamaica. So it's kind of gone like 180 on that. How do you balance college with international duty? Is there a, a, um, like a process that you would give advice to anybody who's in this situation? Or would you just say it's all based on your, your own decisions? Personally, at the beginning of each semester, when we get new professors and switch our classes, I go to my professor that first day. I tell them, like, this is who I am. This is what I do. These are the tentative dates. Can I be in your class? Are you willing to work with me? And so far, I've gotten really lucky. All of my professors have supported me and thought it was really cool. And they've all been super supportive and they really worked with me. So I haven't had to switch out of any classes. Like if that were to happen, I would switch my professor or see if I can take that class next semester if the schedule isn't as busy. We do the same thing with school soccer as well. Like we get a packet and we have to give it to our professor. They have to sign it, say they're okay with it. So I just kind of took that same approach, but I've been getting super lucky with my professors. That's the craziest, having, having to come up to your professors and be like, hi, I'm a national team soccer player and uh, I need to leave to go represent my country. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you mind the if like, past... just give me like some assignments like ahead of time? Is that cool? Yeah, the past three semesters. So every single semester, except my first semester as a freshman, I have been to the first day of classes and then missed the next following week. So it was kind of like, I really had to go to them on the first day and say, hey, are you okay with this? Because I'm not going to be in the next class. (laughs) It just like worked out with the timing that I just was able to go the first day and then left. (laughs) So now at first, was it difficult? balancing like the schoolwork with the international time or were like you pretty diligent because you'd been used to doing that you know obviously with college soccer too yeah I was kind of used to it I feel like I'm pretty good with time management and I don't really like to procrastinate so whenever we would have free time like I would get to do my homework and I actually feel like I would get more ahead because whenever we had free time I was like oh I have to do homework so I would just keep doing more and more work even if stuff wasn't due I would just continue to do it. So I feel like if you have the right time management and are able to prioritize, you can, it's definitely doable. Well, especially right now on a, in a World Cup year, I feel like, you know, the schedule wasn't as hectic or has it, has it been as hectic as this year over the past few years that you've been on the national team? Um, this was our busiest year, actually, just because we had camps every single month. So this past semester, I would say I missed um, – I don't know if I missed the most school, but I was gone every month. Like one of my classes, I took one exam and it basically counted for my entire grade because I missed all of the other ones. She was like, all right, we'll just make this exam and count it three times. So I was like, Jeez. okay, a lot of pressure on that exam. Jeez, gosh. But, it's, like, it's like, don't worry, this is only going to count for everything for you. So do a great yeah, job. Pretty much 
dropped 80 percent of my grade and i was like okay but it's okay pass the class <laughs> now let's talk a little bit about uh about goalkeeping in Concacaf. Obviously, for a long, long time, people have kind of looked at CONCACAF as the United States and Canada, and that's basically it. And then the other countries are kind of like an afterthought. And then goalkeeping, especially a lot of people, even both on the men and women's side, you know, have, have kind of negated all CONCACAF goalkeepers outside of the traditional powers of Mexico, United States, Canada, that sort of thing. Is it changing? How's the position viewed? How's goalkeeping viewed in, in CONCACAF, in, in the island countries? I would say... Like the people that I've talked to, I've gotten a lot of support. Nobody's really hated on me as a goalkeeper or the position in general. Um, I feel like over the years it has gotten a lot more respect. When I used to think of, you know, goalkeepers from countries like uh, Jamaica or something like that, a lot of times it would be like somebody who never really had a lot of goalkeeper training, but they might have had uh, some natural ability and they were pretty Mm -hmm. decent field players, but they needed just somebody to kind of do that stopgap and they kind of got caught into the position. So now are you saying they're actually starting to actually produce goalkeepers? Like the other goalkeepers on your team, were they raised to be goalkeepers type of thing? Um, Nicole was raised to be a goalkeeper, actually. She's been a goalkeeper all her life. I'm actually kind of what you were explaining. They were like, all right, we don't have a goalkeeper. Throw you in goal, kind of good at it. But then since I was good at it, they started training me better as I went along. No, but I think uh, because of, uh, you know, Andre Blake on the men's side as well, I feel like the way people think about Jamaican goalkeeping is, I think he's raised the profile like sevenfold. I feel like because he's, Definitely. you know what I mean? Just because I, I mean, I, I even watched, I had a buddy of mine that went to UConn and I remember like in 2013, I think it was my senior year. We watched uh, UConn beat UCLA at, at UCLA, and they were down 2-0. They came back and won 3-2, or they, they tied it up 2-2, went to PKs. Andre made a few PK saves. Um, and then from there, went to the national team, had a great gold cup a few years later, and then he's obviously been killing it for the union ever since. Number one overall pick. There's just so many different accolades that he's you know brought to the forefront in terms of representing the Jamaican national team. And I feel like I think what Mike was getting at with this question is just the fact that even with Mexican goalkeepers per se back in the day, the mentality was, you know, they're going to make a lot of flashy saves. They're not going to hold anything. They're going to do a lot of kick saves. They're going to probably be good with their feet because they play out of the back. So, like, very generic ideas that have been formed over the years of watching CONCACAF soccer. So, do you feel like he's brought more attention to the position in Jamaica? Well, it's changed because of Sidney Schneider. That's the reason. <laughs> She's a little bit younger. She's a little bit younger than him. So, I wanted to I wanted to know, is that is that someone you, like, you know, as a confidant? Do you ever reach out to him and ask him questions? Or um, do you guys have any dialogue between the two? Um, I've actually never talked to him or met him, but I definitely think that he has made an impact on how people see goalkeepers, definitely. Especially in Jamaica. I think. A lot of yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, because it changes everything. I mean, that's like the, whenever you have, you know, everyone has a specific mindset about things. Even when you talk about like Mexican goalkeepers in the U.S. system, it's just sometimes it's like very, Mike and I, we've, we've talked about this before, but it's just like that mentality. You have a, a certain approach to the position. Sometimes if the younger goalkeepers or a Mexican style goalkeeper tries to come into the forefront of the U.S. national team, it's kind of difficult just because they don't have that specific American style. You know what I mean? For the Jamaican national team, do you guys have a specific Jamaican style or do they kind of form towards what they have as goalkeepers? Like, do they, do they try to change you and conform you to a specific style or do you bring your own flair uh, to the position? Um, they haven't really tried changing what I do, any of us really, unless they're trying to fix like certain technique or anything like that, but nothing really major that they're trying to change. I feel like I've played 
the same that I do when I'm at school or when I was younger at club. I feel like they really haven't tried to change that, but I feel like starting from a younger age now, I feel like they're trying to train them better. If that makes sense. That's because I mean, you're still, you're still, I mean, for people who don't know, you're still only 19. So, I mean, there is, you know, the learning curve is pretty steep, especially like you said, you're playing in front of bigger crowds and, you know, we all know that a lot of goalkeeping isn't even just the physical aspect. It's the psychological. It's between, what's between the ears. You know yeah. what I mean? So you kind of have, yeah, yeah. You kind of have to adjust and you kind of have to figure it all out as you go. So for you, what's been the biggest obstacle? Do you feel like it's been the psychological aspect or, you know, getting acclimated physically and catching up with everyone who's probably been in the system a little bit longer and kind of knows what's expected of them? So do you feel like there's anything in particular that's been difficult to learn or and, and is there anything that you've kind of just easily coasted in and be like okay you know what well, this is easier than I thought it was going to be definitely think that mentally is where I would struggle the most but I kind of have just gotten the mentality of like oh it's just a soccer game this isn't a big deal like people are like, oh my gosh you're going to the world cup that's so cool and I'm just like yep <laughs> I'm just like making it not a big deal I'll make it a big deal after I've done it if I make it a big deal now, I feel like I'm just going to stress about it and worry about it. And it's just not going to put me in a good mental state. Like last summer, when I got called up to the full national team, I really made it bigger in my head than I should have. And it really took a toll on me mentally. And I just don't think I mentally handled it very well. And then I just reevaluated. I took a step back and I was like, okay, this is what you're doing. You're overthinking. And I just feel like that's a huge thing that a lot of people do. They overthink it. It just stresses them out even more than they need to. For sure, now, yeah. Now there's a lot of uh there's a lot of players obviously with uh NCAA roots on your Jamaican team. Has that helped the transition to this full national team kind of like because there's a lot of women there who have had similar experiences to you so you don't feel like so much of an outsider? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely helpful. Like if I have a question, if I need advice, I'm like, have you been in this situation? And a lot of people give good advice and are really helpful. Like we're really open to helping each other. And I think that's really good. And the fact we've all been in similar situations just helps even more. So let's, let's talk about the dual citizen thing because – you know, I think a lot of people, when they're approached by a country that they might necessarily have lived in their entire lives, there's a lot of factors that go into this. And we've talked about this with, with Shea Yanez, who just made the decision to, uh, to get a Spanish passport. And, you know, Omar has had opportunities, you know, with Mexico and Lebanon. And I went to Venezuela. I was actually born there, which is even crazier. But, oh, um, wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so were there a lot of outside influences that that pressured you in, into making a decision or was this all straight up on you? Like um, grandparents would be like, yeah, do this. You got to do this. My grandparents were pretty chill, but obviously they thought it was really cool. But my grandma and grandpa have always been just like, do what makes you happy. If you want to do it, go and do it. If I don't want to do it, then I don't need to do it. So I didn't really feel much pressure coming from them, but obviously it was a good opportunity and I really wanted to take it. So I feel like it was more me, but my mom was definitely helpful. She's kind of the one that pushed me like, don't be stuck in your comfort zone. Cause I denied the first time and she was like, why are you doing this? Like, this is a great opportunity. So I feel like she definitely was there to push me out of my comfort zone, but I wouldn't say it was just because she wanted to say, oh, my daughter's playing for the reggae girls like Team Jamaica. But it was more of for me to push myself. 
I just realized how quickly you've ascended 17s, 20s to full national team in a very short amount of time. That's pretty incredible. I mean, honestly, when you were first approached and did anyone go like, Hey, and you could play in the world cup one day. And you're like, mm, yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. I could also win a million dollars. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what I thought was going to happen when I first started playing with them. I think I was just kind of going with the flow, <laughs> um, just enjoying it. So I feel like that's super important. Like I wasn't really stressed about the future. I just kind of ran with it. And one, one, one thing that I, we've always talked a lot, a lot about people, they always get to say, you know, I'm scared that people aren't going aren't gonna to accept me because I wasn't born in this country or, or whatever. But a lot of times you start understanding that they, they're, they're appreciative of the fact that you respect the culture and that you want to embrace, you know, part of your lineage and part of your heritage and be about it. And it doesn't mean that you're not, American as well too, but you have different sides to yourself and uh, you want to represent this part of your lineage because you're, you're proud of it, you know? And I think a lot of yeah. people need to realize that uh, it's not a, it's not a one or the other type situation, right? No, I don't think so at all. If somebody says, where do you live? Like, where are you from? Like the U S if they ask me, what are you? I would say Jamaican. So it depends really on how you ask the question and I really don't think it's one or the other at all. Have you been immersed in the, in the Jamaican culture growing up? Is that uh, like, for, for example, like I'm half Mexican, half Lebanese. So I have, you know, I have my, my mom's side's all Mexican. So I, you know, eat their food. I speak their language. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, the culture kind of immersed in me on their certain holidays. And likewise, on the Lebanese side, you know, I speak a lot of Arabic with them. Um, a lot of religious uh, events that we go, you know, go to do together. So yeah. you kind of, you know what I'm saying? So like when I'm, when I'm able to do that, then I go to the country that they, my, my dad is bored in, and then I go there and it's kind of easy, easy to assimilate. And I go, oh, okay. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen this before. I've spoken this language before. I'm understanding the customs and things like that. So for you growing up, were you already immersed in it? Or once you kind of chose to go the Jamaican route, were you like, okay, maybe now I should probably be a little bit more, uh, you know, studied on this whole thing? Um. I feel like I wasn't completely immersed in it, but when I was younger, we went to Jamaica, I want to say at least once every year. So I definitely was there and I would go visit my family. So I was a little bit immersed into it, but obviously when I got called to the team, I was there a lot more. And <laughs> Spark notes, I was you around. Spark notes, you gotta, you gotta go on Rosetta Stone. Let's get all the language taken care of. Let's do all that. Um, so... You know I they speak like English in Jamaica, right? right? Yeah. You're familiar. No, no, I know, I know. That was, that was, a, that was a poor joke. Okay. <laughs> I think, you know, every comedian has a bad joke here and there, so I'm going to go ahead and just... I never do. Are you kidding me? I perform in hospitals <laughs> all over the country. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, anyways, let's move on. <laughs> uh, all right, so, Sydney, anybody who's in that situation right now, what advice would you give to any young boy or girl that's that's going through this it's approached by a country of lineage of theirs and they're trying to decide whether this is something they want to do or not like what would you say if they were there right now in front of you and their entire lives are dependent yeah. on this so <laughs> <laughs> i would tell them to do it because if you try and you don't like it you can say that you did it but if you say no and you look back on it, you might regret it. And you're not going to regret that you tried something. You're going to regret that you didn't try it. So I say just go for it. Yeah. Just like eating that, that new thing of food, unless it's got onions in it, I'll try it. Um, I don't <laughs> like onions. They're awful. Um, but what I do like is goalkeeper training. I love goalkeeper training. Um, and I want to talk goalkeeper training with you right now. Let's talk about typical days with Jamaica, the goalkeeper sessions with, with Hubert. What, what are they like? 
uh, we started off with footwork, so going in and out of cones, things like that, and then handling. I'm still usually going in and out through cones, still doing footwork, but just going through the handling. And then depending on the day, will depend on what we do next. Like sometimes we'll go into the bigger goal or just work on something specific. Kind of depends, but it usually all starts out with footwork and handling every single so ba- session. So basic footwork and handling. So very similar to what you were doing with Justin at UNT. Okay. One thing, one thing that Mike, I forgot to ask you is that uh, when you have your, you know, you have your call-ups and you have obviously your goalkeeper training in college. Um, and then from there you go to uh, the national team. Do your goalkeeper coaches ever have communication between each other? Like your goalkeeper coach at Wilmington, does he say, Hey, you know, this is what we've been working on. This is what she's has certain deficiencies in. And this is what uh, she's improved on. Or this is what we've tried to narrow and hone in on. Is there any communication between the two or you kind of just, you know, finish off at school, then you head to Jamaica and they kind of work on their own thing. I think it's kind of pretty separate. I haven't heard anything. I mean, unless they're doing it behind my back. <laughs> WhatsApp, um, <laughs> Facebook. That'd be hilarious. Uh, There's like these, like all these threads just, and they're just called like Sydney with like a, like a sad face. And it's just like all these like negative comments. And then there's another thread called like Sydney, like with a happy face. And it's all just like positive thumbs up emojis. Yeah. Like about everything that you've done, right? I mean, that could be the case, but I'll never know. <laughs> no. That's cool, though. That's a, I think it's a, it's a cool experience, though, is that, you know, you have one family. That's the cool thing about just playing any sports in general is that you have one family with, obviously, for me, and especially in college, you have that, that group of people that's kind of like even on our campus, so it was kind of like a fraternity. You kind of had a brotherhood and everything you yeah. did together. You went out together. You ate together. Now you finished that family. Then you go to a different family. Um, for you, how's, how has that been, though? Do you feel like that's been something that's kept you going? Because obviously, you know, you're stepping into a new national team, kind of a new world. Was it easy for you to, to kind of become a part of that group right away? Or what was like the biggest struggle with that? A few of the girls came up with me that were on under 20s. So I wasn't completely alone. And then I feel like everyone's been super open. And we all get along really well, actually. <laughs> so it just makes it 10 times better coming to camp. It's not we're just like, oh, no, it's another camp. It's like, oh, I get to go to camp. I get to see my <laughs> friends. They don't get to see the time. Um, it makes training, I'm sure, a lot so, funner, too. Oh, my gosh. I've, I've, watched, yeah, your, I've watched your stories. And by the way, thank you for finally adding us on, uh, on, on Instagram. I feel very honored. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I just looked at that, and I was like, wow, you try to reach out to me here. I was like, I should really check this more often. <laughs> oh, that's I just thought you were just too cool for school now. And I was like, hey, Justin, do you mind well, uh, definitely intervening <laughs> here and uh, reaching out, letting, let her, letting her know we're legit? I just thought she's like, I'm fancy now. I don't need this, whatever. No, definitely I've got not. like NBC and stuff. <laughs> um, but, the, but the videos are awesome because like you guys are all friends, like, which is so cool to see that you guys yeah. legitimately, like if I didn't know that you guys were in France to play in the World Cup, I should be like, oh yeah, they're on vacation in France. Like that's what I would <laughs> Yeah, it's really nice that we all get along and it just makes everything so much better and easier, especially like people say like oh you're away from home a lot and I've kind of been used to it I've been doing it for a while but it makes it a lot easier when you feel comfortable and you're around people that you're friends with so it makes it a lot more fun and easier does this count as your uh college off-season regimen going to the world (laughs) cup like can you just like like to tell your like strength and conditioning coach like I played in the world cup like does that count was that enough fitness for the summer (laughs) I wish. I remember before coming, we were doing dumbbell press, and I got pretty skinny arms. They're not the strongest, but they're definitely not the weakest. But I was going, and I'm on my last set, and every time I was push up, he's like, "Walk up, 
World Cup, World <laughs> Cup. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you this. If I came in as a goalkeeper the same, the same year as Sydney, I'm transferring. I'm getting myself out of there quick because I don't think I could compare to somebody who went to the World Cup. I mean, I come back and the, the summer stories are not going to be the same. <laughs> what would you do? Uh, you know, I went to vacation in probably like Mexico. Like, where'd you go? Yeah, it was the World Cup. Uh, it was cool. <laughs> They're like, oh, cool. How'd you get tickets? You're like, no, I was on the field. Like, <laughs> no, I played. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. funny because the girl who was in my class did transfer. Oh, okay. <laughs> are you the only goalkeeper left? It's just you? Um, well, actually, in the spring, I was the only goalkeeper because we had, it was a senior. She graduated, and then there was just me left. But now this coming year, we have a freshman coming in and a transfer. So I won't be the only one. (laughs) So outside of playing in the World Cup, like what are your favorite parts of keeper training? Because that would be my favorite part of goalkeeper training would be like playing in the World Cup. But outside (laughs) of that, like, like what really gets you going? I really like when it's high intensity and like quick. Like even if we're doing rapid shooting, I just really like that. Just one after the other. I feel like that really gets me going. So. So like that's playing fun. against the United States women's national team, like that's that's good high intensity training. Yeah, training. that's okay. good. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. good. Perfect. No, especially, <laughs> a lot of shots going there. No, especially when you get a when you get a lot of shots. Like we used to be put into this environment in, in Davis, and especially when I was younger, we had something called shooting clinic where the keepers would just show up, and then like twenty shooters would come, and then from different angles they'd they'd shoot and try and get three goals. And when yeah. you were when you were in goal, when I was younger, especially, we'd have like you know times where. Uh, obviously you want to get in goal so the person in front of you're like okay hopefully they score on you but after like three or four saves you're like rooting that goalkeeper on and I remember it's like the endurance aspect of stay focused stay focused you know make sure your your feet are properly set all that stuff and I feel like when you get intensity session like that and you get a lot of shots on you it translates so so well into a game especially against probably the U.S. national team or like a top national team like Brazil coming up for you it's kind of like you have to be not for 90 minutes just mentally prepared mentally in it in terms of like you know having more fans than usual do you feel like do you change anything with your approach when you play or do you always in terms of, you know, communication, always try and stay in it with communication? Um, Cause then everyone has like different ways of, of being attentive towards the game. Like for me, I, I, I love talking. So I just have to yell the entire time. No, really? To you me, like to talk? <laughs> just, to, <laughs> just to keep me, just to keep me mentally in it. So I don't come absent-minded for a half second and they, you know, come on the counter attack. I don't know what I'm doing with my positioning. So do you feel like for yeah. you, that's, that's been something that uh, you, you focus on in training in terms of like psychological endurance, especially in games. Do you communicate a lot with your team? Definitely. In games, I really try to talk because especially even during games where you're not doing a lot, I feel like those are the games where it's even more important to be talking to your team just because you're not engaged. So you can get absent-minded, like you said, really easily. I feel like I wouldn't really change my approach for a bigger game, even if I'm talking and they can't hear me. Maybe the one time they'll hear me and it makes a difference. Or even if they can't hear me, it helps me. So yeah. I feel like that's important. You got to do your part, yeah. I love yeah. the fact that you just brought that up. And I want a lot of the kids out there listening to this to hear that because from the standpoint of even if they're not paying attention to you, if you're being clear, concise, and direct, and it's helping you stay in the game and movement wise, your positioning is better and everything like that, because you're more activated, then it's totally worth it, you know? And as they get older, they are going to start, you know, paying attention to you and starting to understand their positional awareness too. So just keep doing it. Don't be a jerk. Don't just yell at (laughs) you. Because, you know, that's a lot of kids think the idea of communication is just like, hey, get back to them. I'm like, that's just, no, that's just being mean. That's just being mean. 
and you're not helping yeah. them. In your it's clear, concise, direct, specific. But I've watched, uh, we're, 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 Omar and I are big time journalists now. So we have, uh, we have these apps now where we can watch lots of content online now. And, uh, and yeah. there's some streams of you out there. Uh, and you're, you're definitely involved in the action. You're not, just a, you're not just a passive member in any way whatsoever. Yeah. I feel like sometimes I really do get on my team, but also it kind of comes with like a balance. Like if somebody's having a rough game, screaming at them and getting frustrated at them the whole time is not going to help you or them. So sometimes like somebody just needs to pick me up and we all just need to pick them up. And I feel like it kind of starts from the goalkeeper, starts from the back. I feel like our energy feeds off to the team the most. So I feel like our attitudes kind of determine a lot of other people's. So I feel like if we stay positive and keep ourselves engaged, then a lot of other people will. I think that's, that's absolutely correct. Now, we're talking about younger keepers. And, you know, obviously, you're still a younger keeper in a lot of people's eyes. Do you have any advice, any specific tips that you would give, you know, young keepers out there that are, let's say, maybe not going to the World Cup, but more like getting ready for the college route or something like that, that you that worked mm-hmm. for you that, that would help them uh, in their journey? I would say not to dwell on any mistakes or anything. I feel like goalkeeping is a position where all eyes are on you when the ball is near you and you're supposed to be perfect every single time you touch the ball every single game anytime you do anything you're supposed to be perfect just because if you make a mistake the negative outcome is greater than when a forward misses a shot things like that and they have a lot more chances so I feel like if something bad does happen or if you make a mistake I feel like it's really important to just forget it because if you don't forget it then you're just going to keep dwelling in that moment once you focus on the next thing and you do that well you just completely forget about any mistake that you had. Jeez, you're, you're <laughs> how, how, what are you, 40? I mean, my gosh, it's like <laughs> maturity level right there. I mean, my gosh, I, I keep dwelling on things. I'm just like, that's probably why I'm not playing in France right now. Um, <laughs> no, that's such, that's such good advice. And Omar actually did, uh, did a whole thing on that uh, about a year ago in regards to dwelling on mistakes and how it can really cost you uh, in the moment when you're in a college showcase environment, didn't you, Omar? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's the tough. Like, part. I don't want to relive that. Can we not? <laughs> no, I mean, it's like you know, when we talk about goalkeeping. There's a lot of overlap, a lot of things that you you have to repeat over and over. And I think that's one of them is just having a short term memory. And I think we were I forget who we were we were talking to. Oh, you know, what? I was actually listening to a, a Peter Schmeichel interview, and Peter Schmeichel was like, you know, as goalkeepers, we have to be so cocky. We have to, uh, and then like uh, Jamie Carragher looked at him like, oh, you're cocky, huh? I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you know, if you know Peter Schmeichel, but he's like the, the most, the cockiest dude ever. Uh, anyways, he, uh, they were telling him, you know, he was saying that as a goalkeeper, you have to be so cocky that Did even- you say on a goalkeeping podcast to the audience, I don't know if you guys know Peter Schmeichel. That was towards Sydney. I don't know if she's, okay. old, I don't know if she's old enough <laughs> for him, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure you are, and I don't want to disrespect that, so I'm sorry if I, if I did. But no, he pretty much said, you have to be so cocky that even if you make a mistake, you look at your defenders and say, that was your fault. And it was like, you know, in my head, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. But in, in terms of the messaging, it was wrong. But in terms of the actual, like, substance that he was trying to get at, it's pretty much like no matter what it is, if you're in that specific moment and you do make a mistake, you have to have such good foundation as a goalkeeper in terms of your psychological approach to things that you never internalize it. You don't ever let it eat away at you and you don't let it uh, eat away at your confidence because the last thing you ever want to do, especially in life in general, is that you want to you do something when you have full confidence. The second you start doubting yourself, your ability obviously gets diminished and what you bring to the table gets diminished because you don't want to, you're not, you're not going to be playing with that flair that put you in that position. So like you said, if you make a mistake or 
there's something that happens in a game. You have to have such a quickly rebound and tell yourself, you know what, we'll assess this later. I need to stay focused and to stay mentally engaged. Um, and for you, uh, Sydney, yeah. like at the next level too, you, I'm sure you've noticed that no one's going to feel sorry for you, especially I mean, even at the younger ages. I mean, even when you're playing in the academy system, ECNL, you know, it's like you have somebody behind you as a goalkeeper, but really they're probably not giving you that full push because you're probably the number one and like you've established yourself with the team. So you have a little bit of leeway, but as you get older and you start playing the professional environment, especially in the world cup squad, I'm sure there's going to be a little bit more like, obviously not a little bit more, a lot more pressure on you to a little bit, just a little bit more. <laughs> Just slightly more than ECNL. So, look, it's a little bit more than ECNL, okay? What we're trying to say is here is, like, it's think, think of it more as, like, you know, it's a little higher than ASO Extra. It's like... <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I know what you're saying. There really wasn't a question there, unfortunately. I was trying to make a question out of it, but towards the end, my mom was just well, like, dude, just stop good. talking. I mean, uh, it's okay, just a good story. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate talk, that. Omar. It's if, all good. If anything, if anything, I hope it was a good story. Uh, I, I, wanted, I do want to bring this up, though, because we're talking about advice for young keepers. And I personally, last night I went to the LA Galaxy game. I know, humble brag, I've gone to a Major League Soccer game. That's why I'm, <laughs> I qualified to do this. Um, no. But uh, it just made me realize how much you miss when you're watching on television uh, as, a, as, as a young person watching and trying to watch the goalkeepers because the camera doesn't focus on the goalkeeper. Never. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Unless we either do something wrong or it's something spectacular or we're involved yeah. in the play in some way. Mm -hmm. So I personally think that it's very important for kids to go out there and watch live games. And, and do you feel the same way, Sydney? Do you feel like kids should, even, even, at, even at, at UNCW, you know, kids in the local area, they have to watch yeah. live games at a higher level. And I don't want to say emulate those goalkeepers, but learn from their positives and their, and their negatives. Yeah, definitely. I do think it's important to see things live just because, like what you said, the camera does not catch everything. Um, goalkeepers are rarely on camera unless something went wrong or did something amazing. So definitely from a unless goalkeeper Unless they got Mallory Pewdisulk, you know, unless that. <laughs> but it also makes it a lot more realistic. You can see everything going around. Remember when I was younger and I would watch it on TV, I thought the field was 10 times bigger than it actually was just because it looks so much bigger. I was like, wow, they're kicking it so high. I'm like, <laughs> it's getting lost in the camera. But you go see it live and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh no I thought the exact same thing when I was when I first watched soccer I was like a little kid I thought they were playing on like the size of like an entire street block like it was insane yeah, I was like, how do they it run that like far so big. <laughs> yeah. yeah well you know the camera adds 10 pounds right isn't that is that what it says or whatever yeah. camera adds That's 10 pounds is, yeah. so on it a field 10, I guess it adds 10 miles <laughs> yeah exactly it adds, adds 10 miles do you ever watch NWSL matches um sometimes Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. That was not convincing. <laughs> um, um, all, right, all right. I know we need, need to get going because you've got, you've got like a real important thing to do as opposed to me and Omar who are, I'm probably going to go back to sleep for a few minutes is probably what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, what's your favorite form of distribution? Or is there any specific save that really, really gets you going? Either one of those. Um, or maybe both if we have time. Okay. So first question, distribution. I mean, if you're trying to get it quick and keep your team in possession, just like a quick little rollout. Personally, my throws are not the best. They get there sometimes. <laughs> but um, personally, I, like, I prefer rolling out than throws. Or if your team's under pressure, just punt and get it out of there. Get your team to regroup and settle in. Give yourselves time to just get your heads back. 
yeah, that's how I know that you're actually 40 years old is uh, you, you said <laughs> bowl out. You're like the least amount of work, bowl the ball out right there. Um, <laughs> you're, you're one more 40 year old, 40 year old out of a joke here. She's going to be out of here soon. No, I trust me when you're that age, you're, you're fine with that because, uh, because you know that you're 19 years old. Um, when you're my age and you get that joke, you go, Oh, can you please? <laughs> nothing the worst by the way it's, I, I love how the fact that like little kids they all want to be like really old they're all like i wish i was like 30 i'm like no you don't you really no. don't can you stay eight no. that would be nice for you just stay eight yeah okay what about save that gets you going? Like, wow i'm too old <laughs> um favorite save probably like a tip over but like a diving one not just like a little like yeah. if I have to do like a cross up, get across really quick and make a little tip over save. Those are my favorite just because they're super like, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Those are my favorite. I had a kid yesterday. He said, he, he, you want to know my favorite save? I'm like, let me guess. It's a tip over over the bar. He's like, how'd you know? I'm like, cause it's every little kid's favorite yeah. save. It's like, actually, I think it's every goalkeeper. My favorite is top hand across to the top of the box. Cause Every, every player just goes like, how did he even, how does he get that? He's so tiny. I didn't think he would ever get that ball. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they go, I was really lucky on that guy's part. Uh, I guess I'll have to put it inch higher. The best, the best one is when you know, when you know when someone cuts into their, their more favored foot, let's say they're coming on the left side, they cut in off, off to their, uh, into their right foot. You kind of have an idea that your defender is blocking the near post. So you're pro they're probably going to bang it to the far post or try and curl it to the far post. So it's always fun to kind of start cheating just a little bit because you have that inclination a little bit. You start advancing yourself. Yeah. And then when they hit it there, you either use the top hand or the bottom hand for full extension. So it's like I just love the mind game that comes with a save. I just love being able to – as I tell people all the time, it's like calculated anticipation. Like calculate that you know where it's going, but at the same time, too, you're not anticipating it so much that you're, you're leaving yourself vulnerable to a near post shot. Because if you do that, then you look silly, and then it's kind of just like, you know, get laughed off the field. But if you're able to kind of find that – that uh, fine margin between I'm cheating it, but at the same time, I'm not really giving it away. That's when you have like that mm -hmm. top hand in it or a big time save. So those, those are the, those are the, my, yeah. my best ones. Since you didn't ask Mike, I oh, want to tell you. Oh, the cutback bending <laughs> ball. Those are the best. I was working on that with my Academy kids on Friday and I've got one kid who's just turned 12 and he's like five, seven. His dad's like six, nine. I hate him already. Jeez. Um, yeah. He's a tall, tall kid. Very athletic too. And, uh, and we kept working on that. And then the other kids went, it's just not fair. His arms are so long. You can just stop that. Like, I can't stop. <laughs> That's all you got to do. All right, Sid, um, before you go, do you have any stories you want to share with the audience or any final thoughts? Um, or do you want to just be like, can we just, can we just end this? Can we do this? Um, or if anybody I mean, I wouldn't say I have that attitude, but <laughs> I kind of think, I mean, I don't really have any stories. There'll be plenty of. How about how about we have you back on and talk about stories from the World Cup? Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do that. All right, that yeah. sounds good. I'll have to r write a list. Yeah, have a <laughs> list of stories. Well, I'm sure some things get. will happen. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be an experience. I'm sure it's not going to be boring. If anybody out there, if there's any kids out there listening and they want to reach out to you because they say, you know, you're really inspiring me. You know, I've been going through similar situations or. I heard what you said, and I was wondering if you might be able to give me some advice here. Like, where's where's the best place for kids to reach out to you? And I don't even know—is that NCAA? Is that allowed by the NCAA? I don't even know what's allowed by the NCAA anymore. So, can yeah, you do that? I, 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 reach out on social I, media. Yeah, social media. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. Cool. So, so well, <laughs> where, where are the best avenues for people to reach out? Um, probably like in, if we're going to social media, probably Instagram. 
Like What's I have handle? a Twitter, <laughs> but I don't really go with it. Sydney S Y D N E Y two Y's, and then underscore Schneider S C H N E I D E R. Cool. We'll put that in the show notes so you get harassed by a bunch of children. Uh, we'll make yes, sure. Yes, to- I can't wait. Harass <laughs> me with your questions. Honestly, you're gonna see. Oh my gosh, I I can't even imagine. Have you been? noticing a steady influx of followers uh now as things are starting to get closer um a little bit after qualifiers that was crazy i went to my phone after one game and it was just like a bunch of notifications from instagram people following me i was like okay oh gosh let yeah, me look that's at why my i thought you were big time get that's rid of some old stuff <laughs> so i wasn't sure we could get you on the air that you you know no, after that through that dm i was like oh my gosh she's, she's not gonna be able to do it. I'm not <laughs> then justin's like oh she'll do it trust me and i'm like okay well as long as he says it uh <laughs> yeah so this has been awesome this has been totally worth getting up at seven in the morning for i'm not gonna lie it's been really, Good, I'm really glad cool. i'm glad i made your time well. <laughs> your first gift's friday right not friday on the ninth Oh, the ninth. Okay. Okay. So you yeah. still got a little bit more time. Uh, yeah, on Sunday. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, cool. Well, awesome. Um, Sid, thanks for taking the time with us. Uh, I think Omar, I think that's all we, all the time we got on inside the 18 today. Is that, is that I it? I think that's correct. My friend Keep rating, reviewing and subscribing contact at inside the 18 media.com. Maybe we'll have to put that at the front too. So people remember to do that. And uh, one day you two could potentially be on this show just like Sydney Schneider and go to the world <laughs> cup. Uh, All right, guys, we're out. Later.